You're listening to Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I was talking to my friend Rick a couple of months ago, and he came to visit me from or came from Colorado to visit. And while he was here, he wanted to visit with me, and so we got together for a couple hours and talked. And Rick said, "I've been reading your content for a while now," and he said, "Your content it kind of pokes at you." And then he took his index finger, you know, like he was putting it in my chest, and he just kept going like in my chest. He said, "You just poke and and you poke and 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 you poke." And then this morning, Lucia was talking to a lady in up north, northern part of the United States, and she's she's a supporting member, and she said, "I've been reading your content, uh, reading Rick's content for a long time now, and." Uh, I love sharing it, and I share the podcast and the articles with you know some of the women in our church. And one of the ladies said, "Yeah, I, I read him. He's he's challenging." Well, I say this because this podcast is going to be one of those fingers in the the chest kind of thing. But I, I don't want you to think that the fingers only going in one direction. These articles that I write, all of them, on our website are my devotionals. That's what they are. It's how I think about God. Now, what I mean by that is that I am working really hard to apply the very things that I'm sharing uh, with you, that I'm trying to apply them uh, to myself. This is also a distinctive about our Mastermind program. I tell our students over and over again, you cannot be a detached counselor. You must be affected by the very things that you are sharing. You never want to get into the place to where you are communicating good ideas, biblical truths to other people, but you are not affected by those. I was uh, meeting someone out west today, walking them through a particular issue, and she was sharing with me about how she was in a, uh, her and her husband was in a counseling session, and the biblical counselors got in an argument during the, <laughs> during the counseling session. They got into a, a spat, and, and they never went back. Well, what she was describing was, was two bibl- so-called biblical counselors. I don't know if I would even want to call them biblical counselors. I mean, they've gone through the training. They got the little certification piece of paper, um, but they're not affected by what they— uh, but what they are are sharing with with other people, and I see that in ministry so often that we do a lot of great ministry, and I'm not saying that cynically or sarcastically. I'm saying it in a a glory to God way that that we're feeding a lot of people and serving a lot of people, helping a lot of people, teaching a lot, leading a lot, providing a lot, doing a lot, uh, ministry wise. Uh, but the, you know what? That's easier to do than to turn your finger around and, and point it to your own chest and, and say, yeah, this is challenging, but by the grace of God, uh, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be one of those detached Christians that I'm, I'm just out there doing wonderful things. And again, I mean that sincerely. I'm doing wonderful things, and God is doing wonderful things, and people are changing, but yet my, my marriage stinks. My relationships aren't great. And, and if we're not working to change our most intimate relationships, well, then there is something wrong with our Christianity. There really is. And there needs to be a practical call to repentance. I'm not saying that you're going to ever get your marriage right. 
I'm never I'm never saying that that it's going to to change the way that you hope it will change. I I realize it's complicated for many of you, but you have to be in tune to it. Uh, you have to have enough self-awareness to know yourself well enough and to know your partner well enough that that you're at least you're at least trying. Uh, to make it right, whether it's made right or not. You just don't want to be detached uh, out there doing ministry, but yet not affected. Even if your other person is not affected, you want to be affected, and you want to always be trying to grow and to mature and change. And the reason I'm saying this to you is because I'm about ready to start poking with this podcast the title of the podcast is How to Have a Relational Adventure with Someone You Love. And if you want to read this podcast, you can go to the article on the website. It's really short. I mean, it really is. Only uh, two or 300 words, I guess. I didn't count, but I know that it's short. You can read it just in a couple of minutes, and I want you to do that. And I want to start the podcast by ask. I want to ask a question that I, I would love for you to answer. And the question is, what is the most satisfying relationship that a person can have with another person? another individual. What is the most satisfying relationship that you can have with another human being? Now, I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer to that question, and then I want to spend the remainder of the podcast unpacking it for you, and I hope that this will be good for you. I hope it will be challenging. I hope it will be a, a finger in the chest and and that the Lord will use it to motivate you to uh, work on that relationship that's close to you. But here's the answer. The most satisfying relationship a person can have with another human being is when they are mutually sharing their personal experiences with God. That is as good as it gets. When you are sharing your relationship with God with another human being, when two of you are reciprocally, mutually sharing your relationships with God, with each other, it cannot get any better than that. Now, why do I say that? Well, I'm going to assume in this podcast that you are a Christian, that God has regenerated you. He has imposed himself into your life, and you have become born again. Now, when that happened, you know in Ephesians 2, it says that you were dead in trespasses and sin. In Ephesians 4, 17 and following, it says you were callous in your thinking, you were futile in your thinking, you had a hard heart that you were alienated from God. And so before God regenerated us, we were dead, dark, futile, callous, didn't care anything about God, and then he turned the light on. He turned the switch on. The Holy Spirit came in us. The light is on. We are illuminated. We're able to see things that we've never seen before, to know things that we've never known before. And the primary thing that we know that, we, that we're learning that we never knew before is God himself. We're now entering into an experience with God that we never had previously. But it gets better than that. Not only does the Spirit of God help us to understand God, but he also helps us to understand ourselves. As you read in Hebrews 4, uh, 12 and 13, it talks about the Bible 
being a powerful tool that penetrates our souls and and divides and sorts out and and situates and helps us to see what is going on inside of us and that we are exposed and that we are are naked before God we're in a total vulnerable position and and what's going on there is the Lord is not not only regenerates us but he puts us in this process of progressive or incremental sanctification where we are moment by moment, day by day, year by year, that we are becoming more and more Christ-like. And that is a process until we eventually see Jesus at death. And so when you are born again, these two dynamic things happen. You begin to know God and you begin to know yourself. Previously hidden information now with all of this information that you have about God, that you're continuing to add to and about yourself, that you're continuing to grow in in your own self-understanding as illuminated by the Spirit of God, as informed by the Word of God. With all of this growing information, you now share that with another human. You share that with another individual. That you, You can't be more honest. You can't be more transparent, more humble, more vulnerable, more courageous, and more life-giving than that. And that's why I said the most satisfying relationship a person can have with another human being is when they are mutually sharing their personal experiences with God. And it is important, I I said mutually sharing. It is a two-way street. It's not one person sharing their experience of God with another person, and they're just sitting there and soaking it in. No, it is reciprocal. And as you have already deduced, you can't be this way with everyone. Not everyone is going to be able to steward your truth. They're not going to be able to handle the truth. The things that you know as you begin to share your life experience with other people, as you invite them into the the innermost places of your soul, I've, I've said often that if you die with two people like this in your life, you will die a wealthy person. And, and so though you cannot be this way with everyone, and by the way, you should not, for those of you who don't have a social filter and you just blab your innermost thoughts to, to other people, you need to pump the brakes because honestly, that's foolish to do that, and you shouldn't do that. But then there are other people on the other side of the the street, and they don't share anything. They are a closed wall. That is unhealthy, and that, that will ultimately that will truncate your your own relationship with God. It is vital to have one person in your life with whom you can penetrate the barrier of loneliness. Because of our universal Adamic shame, we have collectively wrapped ourselves with the clothes of shame. You remember what happened in Genesis 3, 6, and 7. Adam and Eve, they were naked and unashamed before this point, before this juncture. They had this amazing relationship with God. And so you can think about it like a huddle a huddle of three people, God, Adam, and Eve. And there was nothing to divide. There was nothing that was separating. It was a a beautiful community. But then 
Adam and Eve decided to, decided to sin in, in 3, 6, and 7. And when they did, the separation happened. Now, the way that we live, we are Adamic, and the way that we live is that we live isolated, we live hidden, we live wrapped in fig leaves, which, which hinders us from having the most intimate relationship that we can have with God and the most intimate relationship that we can have with another person. And so having one true friend willing to love you this way is as intimate, profound, unique, and as deep as you can go with God and with that person. I titled the podcast, How to Have a Relational Adventure with Someone That You Love. I want to unpack this just a little bit more, and then at the end, I do have some practical questions that I want to share with you because I want you to to use these practical questions. Now, maybe you can, as, as a small group, that you can read this little article in a couple of minutes and then start working through these questions that I have for you. If you will do that, uh, it could do something dynamically uh, in your small group. A best-case scenario for me would be if a husband and wife could sit down and, and read through this and, and begin the process of building a different kind of community in their marriage. That would be a profound thing if you can do that. Imagine the picture, the word picture, that, that I gave you a while ago of Adam and Eve and God before Genesis 3.6. That's the way that we want to live with each other. Now, because of sin, sin is real, and we're not living before Genesis 3.6. We're living post 3.6, and so sin is, is real, and it does divide. And so you're not going to be able to have that kind of community with everybody. But just imagine one person beside, uh, beside you, beside you, and God, and you're having this fullest form of of community or fellowship. God is not a person for personal consumption alone. It is only by sharing your experience with him that you will know him in the way he wants you to know him. I have had people literally tell me that they don't need other people. I don't need other people. Well, God is is love. And, and as love, God is love, it is meant for God to share his love with us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God is love, and, and he acts on that love, which makes the relationship far superior. And so if you isolate, and if all you need is God alone, and you're not sharing the love of God with another person, then you are sabotaging your relationship with God as well as other people. I mean, there is a reason that Jesus said in Matthew 22, 36 and following, the two great commandments are to love God and love others. Those two things are connected together. Some people have said you love God by loving others, and that is an accurate statement as well. The person who, who says that all I need is to go up on a mountain and to commune with God, well, praise God that you do that. Go other places as well. Go, go in your closet, stand on your porch, climb a tree, 
enjoy God privately and personally, but not exclusively just that. You experience him also as you share him with other people. But sadly, this kind of fellowship with God and others, it is the most oft neglected aspect of two people's lives. People can be friends. They can be poker mates. They can be sports buddies, sewing club buddies, neighbors, even marriage partners but not engage each other as intimately as God provides through salvation and progressive sanctification, as I was talking about earlier in the podcast. The word that I choose to describe this is the word fellowship. And I use this word intentionally because it comes from the word koinonia. The word koinonia, which you have heard of, it means fellowship. The word koinonia also means the word community. And so to have fellowship with someone else is to commune with them. And the ultimate community experience is the illustration I gave you earlier of Adam and Eve and God together. The ultimate community experience is when two people reciprocally enter into the divine, eternal community of Father, Son, and Spirit. God is a community. As you know, we call the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And so your call and my call is to image them. He made us in their image. They are a community. And so if you want to image God well, then you have to be a community too. And if you're not in a community, which means at least one other person, you have to build a community with at least one other person. There is a reason solitary confinement is it's one of the worst long-term punishments a person could ever receive. Isolation and loneliness are painful because God made us in the image of the divine community. Now, every person that you meet will not want to go this far with you. As my friend Rick said, you just, you just keep, your content just keeps poking me in the chest. Or as our friend, our supporting member uh, told Lucia this morning, her friend said that Rick's, uh, Rick's content is too challenging. Well, this is what you will find if if you start sharing this article with with other people and if you challenge them, especially if you get into the questions at the end of this podcast, uh, you will find that many people will fall away. They will peel off and and they will not want to go with you to this place. And you need to be cautious with those with whom, whom you share this with. The two things that you want to be careful about doing. One, you want to be cautious about who you share it with, and you don't want to cop an attitude because you because this is what happens. And I hear Christians regularly, and some just say it as matter of fact, and they're not complaining about it. And again, it's just matter of fact. But what they're saying is, is that you know, I don't have anyone that I can have this kind of a relationship with. But then others, it's more than matter of fact. They're they're complaining about it. They're grumbling about it. They have a bad attitude about it because uh, their church is not like this, or they don't have anybody like this. I understand. 
I, I really do. But you continue to pray and you ask God to bring that person along Side you so that you can have that kind of relationship with that individual. Ideally, that person should be your spouse if you're married. That's the way it should be. If you're planning on getting married, uh, then this podcast and this article really needs to be part of your ongoing discussions right now. If you're planning on getting married, you need to be talking about this right now because what happened is, is you you met each other, you didn't know anything about each other, you just met. And then you started sharing information. And then you continue to date. And you begin to share more information. What's going on here? Uh, You're getting closer and more intimate. You're exposing more of yourself. Eventually, you're going to get married. And it's going to be 24-7. And it's going to be as intimate as you can possibly be. But you want to make sure that you are continuing in that process. You, You will be one flesh the day that you are married, but practically speaking, you will spend your entire life growing in one fleshness. And if you don't have this intentionality about you, at some point you could very easily drift apart. You have to be you have to be hyper, super intentional about maintaining what I'm sharing with you in this podcast because you will drift apart. And if you are married and you don't have this kind of relationship now, I would just appeal to you to find the help so that you can, so that you can restore your marriage and get back on this path because you don't want to be living hidden from each other in plain sight. And so one of the things that I want you to do is to become familiar with the definition of koinonia. And so I've, I've kind of said it in different ways throughout this podcast, but I want to give you a clearer definition now. And if you want to read this two-sentence definition, you can do that. Again, the title of the podcast, How to Have a Relational Adventure with Someone That You Love. And I, again, I want you to be familiar with this definition of koinonia or community or what I call biblical fellowship. Biblical fellowship is sharing something that you have in common with another person. And now let's get more specific. It goes to the deepest possible level of human relationship, and that is your experience of God himself. And so biblical fellowship is sharing something that you have in common with another person And that thing goes to the deepest possible level of human relationship, and that is your experience of God himself. Now, what I want to give you in the remainder of this podcast, I want to give you a short list of questions that will help you to explore the possibility of enjoying God-centered relational experience with another person. The questions that I have here are eclectic. They're not in any kind of sequential order. They're just random questions. You would not use all of them every time that you meet with someone, uh, but you can pick and choose throughout this list depending on the person that you're talking to and, and how God is leading you in the moment. But there are eight biblical fellowship type questions, and any one of them can really jumpstart the relationship, assuming that the other person wants to, wants to go there with you. The first question is really you sharing. And here, here's the question, and then I'll, I'll explain it. 
will you help me in this specific area of temptation in my life? And you name the temptation, whatever it is. You're talking to another person and you say, will you help me in this specific area of temptation in my life? If you want to get deep quickly, that question will do it. I'm using this question as the first question because rather than you asking them to share something specific about their life, you lead by doing that yourself because you want to model, you want to imitate for them what you want them to do for you. It's if you only ask them about what was going on with them, well, they may share with you, but go ahead and lead that. And so if you feel safe in the relationship, and if you sense that the relationship can can really get to this place and you want to explore that, then step out and share a specific area of temptation in your life and and see where the conversation goes. Here's another biblical fellowship question, really simple one. What is God doing in your life? Now, that may be the best place to start of all, is just keep it simple. But what you want to do with this question is that you want to have an intentional plan of getting more in-depth about what the Lord is doing. What you can do is you can fill the person out as to how far you both want to go post asking this question here, but a good starter question with someone, hey, what is God doing in your life? And depending on how they answer the question, well, you could you could really make hay when it comes to biblical fellowship if they are willing. Number three, how is the grace of God working in a particular area of sin? This is an advanced question. It's a little more personal. And if you have built the relational bridge to this person, well, then you can carry this kind of question across because you have a fortified bridge, a relational bridge that you have built to them. Again, I'm not saying that you have to use these questions every time you meet someone. I'm just giving you eclectic questions, and depending on where you are in the relationship, some of them obviously are more personal, and you can go there because you've already built the relationship. Others, you might have to start with the more generic, hey, what is God doing in your life? Number four, what specific areas that cause you to struggle This question is a little different. It is honing in on something that that may be personally painful for them, but you are exploring with them. Now, you can see as you, or you can hear as you listen to these questions as to why it's, it's far easier to do ministry. It's far easier to lead a Bible study or be a detached biblical counselor, lead a Sunday school class, rather than getting in this personally with another person. But if you're not doing this with someone, you're really missing out on on a fantastic relationship that you could have. Number five, what have you recently read that is helping you in your sanctification? This question was similar to number two, what is God doing in your life? This is a a more general, non-intrusive question, but it kind of gets the ball rolling. Uh, It positions you to care for them in the future, which is what you want to do. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, 
I'm at, oh, I'm at number five. Uh, now what you're doing is you're moving from the problem and you're focusing on the solution. You're asking, the question is, what have you recently read that is helping you in your sanctification? The previous question, what specific areas that you're struggling with, they share that. What have you read that is helping you? Now they share that. You're moving away from the problem and you're focusing on the solution. Number six, how can I serve you in a specific area of sanctification in your life? Let me jump down to number seven. What has God taught you recently? This is one of those general questions as well. It's another way to gain access to someone's life, to tap into what they have been reading, watching, seeing, learning uh, from the Lord. This question is open-ended, but it will also uh, certainly, most certainly, get the ball rolling. And then number eight, how have you applied it to your life, that which you are reading? This is the follow-up question to the one that I just asked. And so here are eight Jumpstart Fellowship questions. Number one, Will you help me with this specific area of temptation in my life? Number two, what is God doing in your life? Number three, how is the grace of God working in a particular area of sin? Number four, what specific areas that cause you to struggle? Number five, what have you recently read that is helping you in your sanctification? Number six, how can I serve you in a specific area of sanctification in your life? Number seven, what has God taught you recently? Number eight, how have you applied it to your life? Now, what I would appeal to you to do at this point that you've got the general idea of, of what I'm talking about here is that you write out your own biblical fellowship questions. Make your own list or add to this list. Maybe you can have 20 of them and that you can be ready to ask these questions and to explore the relationship with someone who knows. They may be wanting to go there with you. And if you do, you can have a relational adventure with someone that you love. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and I hope you have a blessed day. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.